0: This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness. Personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. If he wins another trophy, does that mean he is immune from... He becomes a general in the (laughs) South Korean army. He's doubly immune.
1: Just in case they do go to war, he's allowed to reject it twice. No, yeah, it's like rolling two doubles in Monopoly. He (laughs) actually has to go back into the army.
0: It's another Premier League review episode. Tom and Alan with me this evening. Tom, how are you doing?
2: I'm good, mate. How are you?
0: Yeah, very well. Thank you, Alan.
2: Nah, okay. You
0: enjoying your peppermint tea after your 25 minute what drive? I, I need it to calm down after a <laughs> stressful <laughs> end. We will get on to the West Ham Bournemouth game a little bit later. Let's not bother. <laughs> I mean, we have to. There's, there's important questions that we need to talk about. But let's kick it off with Arsenal versus Chelsea. The big game of the weekend, and although tim isn't here, he sent me a very detailed email that i 'll have to relay but uh, let's let 's start with you, Tom. Did you think it was going to be that easy in the end for Arsenal?
2: definitely not, definitely not after the result last week against West Ham um I think there was a there was a level of pressure on you and he and he obviously bounced back uh, effectively against Chelsea. I think you can see where chelsea's issues are so far this season. The lack of striker was so apparent. I think was it the the middle of the second half before they actually got a shot on target sort of um, pinpoints that that issue that they've got. Um, but I think the, the effectiveness of the two strikers, I think, which I have a feeling Tim may refer to, um, Lacazette and Aubameyang were absolutely brilliant and I thought it was a fantastic team performance. And one thing that I think maybe will take the gloss off of the result, apart from the Bellerin injury, is how impactful I thought Ramsey was and what a big loss he's going to be at the end of the season to Juventus.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a completely different Arsenal team. I mean, I think Sarri talked after the, after the game that um, it was hard to motivate the Arsenal, uh, Chelsea players, Sorry, but it almost seems like that was the case for Arsenal last week against West Ham. They just didn't look up for it, and it was the polar opposite this week because uh, it, it was there to see they were, they were, they were more organised and they were putting in more effort, seemingly, than the Chelsea players. And, I mean, it's been talked about to death, but the system just doesn't seem to be working. No. it for
0: Chelsea. And and you've got a manager in Sarri who did not change formation once last season at Napoli. At any point during the season he stuck with the same formation. And and I'm now channeling Tim here because I'm reading off his email, but he said that Sarri was massively at fault for it. Do do you think that what's being said about Hazard being played out of position, Kante being played out of position and now Sarri coming out and saying these Players are difficult to motivate. You think that's going to end up costing him his job? Well, firstly, I, I'm playing Hazard out
1: of position. I'm not sure that's ever a good idea. It didn't endear. Well, half the reason why Mourinho fell out with Hazard initially is because he was making him track back, and effectively, it wasn't playing him out of position. But his role within the team was changing, and he was criticising him for not doing that. Um, the I just, the not only the Hazard thing though. I mean, Kante playing as a centre-attacking midfielder, a man who got into the FIFA Team of the Year through being a centre-defensive midfielder, a man who people are saying he's revolutionised this centre-defensive... You know, he just covers all the ground. Right, we'll shift him over to centre-attacking midfielder then. He's clearly a, an aerial threat or something like that. He's going to take yeah, he's going have him on the corners next. It's a bit baffling. And, um, yeah, I don't understand it at all.
2: Yeah, I, I hope he doesn't get sacked because I think he's... Um... A good manager and in, in yeah, I think it's just so apparent he doesn't have the players he wants to play and um, it would be good to at least give him what they look like they're desperate to sign a striker now you wonder whether because of that desperation it will actually be someone he wants or someone to just plug the gap by the sound of it Higuain is probably the most likely player to move um, and he's, he's I, obviously does it not worry you that he hasn't cha-
1: doesn't change the system
2: at all regardless
1: of opposition I don't and pretty there's a stat that he he's replaced one of the other um, Kovacic with Barkley mm. in like 20 games or 20 or th- uh, something like 25 games. I might be getting that wrong. I'd have to go back and fact check that. Uh, as in, if Barkley starts, then he gets subbed off for Kovacic. If Kovacic starts, he gets subbed off for Barkley. And it's almost like, and it's I'm pretty sure it's in the same time period of the game as well. It's almost like, Regardless of what's happening, he's doing
2: the same system. It's a bit odd. Yeah, I mean, I guess how much when we say he only plays one system, how, how do other managers really rotate their systems that much anyway? I mean, I don't know. I don't really remember. I mean, is Route One football an alternative system? I don't, I don't know. And that's what when Bournemouth need a goal at the end of end of the game, that's what we do. But I wouldn't say that's Eddie switching his system. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I think the bigger thing for them is they don't have a striker. They don't They don't really look like scoring lots of goals. They're so reliant on Hazard. And that, that's probably the biggest issue they're facing. And that's not really a Sarri problem because that's a recruitment problem, which is separate, clearly, at, at Chelsea. Uh, yeah, I think they'll give him... I'd be very, very, very surprised if, if he got sacked before the end of the season because I think, first of all, the cost that, that would have the implications there, but also the, the reputational damage that would do to Chelsea. They, they probably have a reputation of being trigger happy anyway, with people yeah. like um, Di Matteo and, and in the past, and Abram Grant and obviously Jose twice. But
1: yeah, he, w- he will get more time, I think. Like, despite everything I've said, I think he will get time because he is the manager that they've wanted. Yeah. He, he's a good style of football and a brand of football that that Abramovich certainly has wanted to have at the club for some time. And obviously, that wasn't the case under Mourinho or Conte. It, it was more of a well defensively-minded, low-possession style of football. So, the fact that they've got their man now, or got that sort of mould of manager, mm. that will buy them a bit of time,
0: you'd say. And it's easy to get bogged down in all the Chelsea malarkey, but Arsenal played bloody oh good. Oh, God. Um, yeah, we should not forget about Arsenal. Lacazette's goal yeah. oh,
1: was brilliant. That was like... Leon Lacazette. That was when all the fuss was being made of this like physical yeah. mm. you know, like doesn't go
0: down easily player, and you just yeah,
1: turn in the box and the shot was
0: brilliant. For a second there when you said Leon Lacazette, I thought you were referring to another player, and I was like, Who the fuck is Leon Lacazette?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, he, now, he was that touch on his goal was absolutely incredible, wasn't it? The the way, the sort of the shit cross from it was Bellerin crossed it in, and he just kills the ball, takes a touch away from the defender and puts it in the near post where Kappa can't reach it It's fantastic
0: and, and if that goal was absolutely brilliant from start to finish start to finish on the second goal was just absolutely shambolic Socrates from the edge of the area <laughs> shaking a ball from the outside of his foot into the box where Koscielny shoulders the ball into the far corner a goal made by centre-backs and probably finished like a centre-back that was as likely to be an own
1: goal <laughs> <laughs> from Socrates shanking it all the way to, that, yeah, I mean, couldn't do it if you tried, could you? Oh, it's that beautiful. whole sequence of events, but you know, you take them however they come. <laughs> yeah, um, I and mean, that I, was more
0: bizarre than I've seen in a while. Good God, it was bizarre. But Kachalny looking like the sort of player that Arsenal need because we talked about the defensive frailties against West Ham. But when he steps up, he does make that Arsenal defence a lot more solid.
2: Yeah, he's also got the record, hasn't he, for um, he scored in 11 consecutive Premier League seasons, I think. Uh, Sorry, no, no, sorry, nine consecutive Premier League seasons. Um, So he he does actually contribute quite a lot uh, in the attacking threat as well. But I thought he played really well defensively. I think they look very, very strong defensively as well. I think Socrates is... Yeah, I'm not convinced about Socrates, but I think I think that's probably a position they would look to strengthen maybe next summer. But the problem with Arsenal at the moment is the finances and how they're going to be able to fund changes. I think they're interested in two loan signings to help improve their general squad, and one of those is Dennis Suarez from Barcelona. Um, It'd be interesting to see what they do with the other one, whether they want uh, backup wingers, maybe someone who they can look to buy in the summer uh, as a replacement for for Ramsey. But they've got to take great credit, uh, great heart out of that that victory because. I also heard as well that they, last season they got six points off of the big six teams for the whole of last season. And they've already got eight points off the big six teams so far this season. So in that sense, they're improving and they just need to make sure that they're more uh, competent and consistent against the rest of the league to keep pushing up and guarantee they finish in the top four. Yeah, can't argue
0: with that. One of the worst stats I think we've ever heard happened when me and Alan were watching the um the Arsenal game, oh god, I forgot about this. And it's it's I'm not sure if you <laughs> if you watch it, it's possibly the weirdest stat I've ever heard in my life. But the commentator and I can't remember who it was said, Unai Emery is the first man not named Arsene Wenger to beat Chelsea at home in the Premier
2: League. Doesn't even make sense. I I like, it's
0: entirely shite. That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> it literally, it, I don't even understand what it's supposed to mean.
1: By the yeah. way, this is way too late for the end of season awards, but Martin Tyler, and I forgot to contribute this to the end of season <laughs> awards. It was, it was a game on Remembrance Day. Okay. Right? so they, we, And it was the 100th anniversary now of the end of World War I. And um, Martin Tyler decided to say, and I think it was like the team had just gone 2-0 up, and he said, well, they're certainly giving us a day to remember <laughs> oh. in the most tactless, <laughs> uncle. <laughs> I've
0: seen from the Anyway, oh, sorry to distract, but I thought I'd get that off my chest. There are some wonderfully <laughs> weird uh, football commentary cliches, but I thought I'd bring that up. Um, right, before we move on from this, I, Tim raises a good point, see what you guys think. Obviously, Petr Cech announcing his retirement uh, at the end of the season. And Tim said, ultimately, what Chelsea need now is a director of football to help with player transfers and organise the club better, maybe Petr Cech could fit that role Or Michael Ballack. What what do you think about that Tom?
2: So they do have someone. Her name is um, uh, Marina Granovskia. She's been in charge of that type of role since 2011.
1: Um, Do you get any like saying it because I just visualise her coming in with stats reports and a lot of other things and Roman Bramovich just throwing a dart at the board. And then it picks out a player, and they go out and buy him instead. Why haven't you signed Andrei Shevchenko again?
2: <laughs> yeah. I think it's probably worth noting that maybe Tim has a point with replacing her, considering she's one of the people who was an advocate for signing Fernando Torres. Oh no! So uh, yeah, I think there is a pro. There is a. I- I've heard this before that uh, Abramovich is not as involved as I think people think he is. I think he's very focused on on um, on winning trophies and, and uh, finishing as you possibly can. But I think the people who, who are in running the day-to-day um, management of, of the club are a lot more short, short-term short focused and that's why they sack people so quickly. Mm. Um, I, I don't think that Chelsea is the type of club that is going to have the Arsenal or the Dortmund approach where they buy young players. I and mean, you can see that with, with all the stuff that's going on with hudson Doy. So the idea that they bring someone in to develop a squad or develop a club mentality. I just don't think is, it's not consistent with what the club is trying to achieve, and that's immediate short-term success.
0: Let's move on to the 4-3 Bonanzas. Two of them to talk about. We'll start at Anfield. Liverpool versus Crystal Palace. Those two teams tend to have very, very good games. Very few games between Palace and Liverpool are a drab affair, and this one wasn't either. Liverpool won 4-3. A lot to talk about in this game, but Palace... Fair play place and they probably had a go at Liverpool. They gave a good, good go, didn't they? And I think, well, read the
1: stat that it's the first time Hodgson's lost to Anfield since leaving. Since managing since Liverpool. Since, <laughs> since managing Liverpool. Yeah. As, um, That's pretty which pretty yeah, pretty impressive. And he's given, given a good go at it. And, yeah, I mean, they kept dragging themselves back, didn't they? Well, Liverpool and Palace. Um, it was a fascinating game. Um, bizarre. Red card from Milner, but won't go into that too much. Not sure why I did that. Just got absolutely done in twice by Wilfred Zaha, didn't he? Yeah. And then just... Yeah. But it was like watching Liverpool from last season and two seasons ago. It's just the concept, ah, we'll score one more than you. Yeah. Uh, well, How many goals have we got to shipped today? Four? Ah, fine, we'll score five. Going to concede three? Ah, yeah. oh, we'll score four. No worries. Um, just absolute d- defensive masterclass. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, yeah, it was... Yeah, very very interesting. And the
0: front three firing again, aren't they? Liverpool. They had, uh, which is worrying for everyone else. Little Mo Salah to thank with two goals. The man can be a dream and a bit of a nightmare at times. We'll talk about both of those. Tom, clever play from him on both of his finishes. I'm not sure if you if you saw them, but first one really clever little flick past Baroni, and then the second one, just having the the presence of mind to think. Spironi's fucked this up for the boys I'm just going to get a tap on the
2: line here I'm beginning to come round to Salah I think he might be quite good but yeah I think um, he he, had a, he played very very well I, I feel so sorry for Julian Spironi it, it's, it's, yeah. he had not played a game since December two, or his first appearance since December 2017 and he's like, must have been so nervous like, oh god Anfield uh, the, probably the best team in England at the moment and then just spooning one in <laughs> but yeah, it was Liverpool looked very, uh, very threatening going forward, but they didn't look particularly solid at the back, I, I'd say as well. Probably echo Alan's point, but um, it must be gutting for Roy just to score three goals at Anfield and still come away with nothing. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, Attacking-wise, I think they could have done much more. But yeah, I think...
1: sides to score two... Anfield this Mm. season since uh, last year, yeah.
2: So is it outside outside of the top six? They'd only conceded three goals at home this season, and obviously they've doubled that now with just Crystal Palace. So yeah, I think they are going to miss Trent Alexander Arnold, and and I think Milner got sent off in that game. Noticeably, he got sent off by his old PE teacher. So brilliant! brilliant. So that was quite cool. The referee's old PE teacher, but now they might actually have an issue at right right back because. Um, Arnold's out for I think two or three weeks and then obviously there'll be um, a ban now for Milner so they may have to move some players and obviously they've yeah, loaned Klein out to Bournemouth so. Probably most
0: likely be that young Camacho kid who featured mm. their lost two Wolves in the FA Cup mm. I'd imagine um, We we spoke about Mohamed Salah scoring two goals and I don't want to focus on the negative because I never like talking about no, it let's, but... let's focus on the negative He's. East... He's dangerously close to getting a reputation for being a bit of a diver. He went down soft against Mamdou Sakho there. There was no real contact. He seems to be doing it quite a lot. He, I don't even know what to say about it, really. But is he is he on the verge of getting a bit of a reputation for it now?
1: I th- You know the, the main thing is? It's not even that he's diving. He's just diving really badly. <laughs> wow. Well. There's an there's almost an art to this, yeah. and there's a, there's a skill to disguising it. And Salah just doesn't have it. He feels mild contact and then goes down five seconds later. <laughs> he's just so poor. Um, and you say he's dangerously close to getting a rep. I think he's he's got his rep because there's been a few occasions this season um, where he's gone down awfully softly. Um, yeah, disappointing really. His goal return is outrageous though. So we talk talking about, I mean, he's he's got 50 now, is he? Or is he 49? Yeah, 50 goals. But second fastest this, player in Premier League history to 50 goals. But discount the games he played for Chelsea. And he's, you know, he's like, I right, know yeah. you can't do yeah. that, but. He'd have 48 goals. Yeah, though. in terms of his games, at lifted Yeah.
0: Oh, brilliant. It's just a shame. Do you, Tom, do you think it's odd that players like Salah seem to get this reputation, yet Harry Kane seems to have gone over? I'm not asking Alan this because he absolutely loves Harry Kane. Oh, no, I think Harry Kane's almost as bad. Yeah, top, what, what are your thoughts on that? I
2: also love Harry Kane, so I don't think I'm the best person to ask. But I think it, maybe Vardy's a good one because Vardy has done it a lot in the last few seasons where and he's been picked up on it in the media about maybe that, that art of leaving your leg in a position that you're going to get like nicked and, and you'd be able to go down. I think the only way there's the solution for this is being able to give retrospective fines it's interesting that I know we'll talk about Wolves but Nuno got a ban I uh, got a fine because he was celebrated with the, with the players when they scored their last minute winner against Leicester but the fact that Salah can do that and just it, there have, there'd be no repercussions at the time other than a yellow card if he's seen um, I think the only way you're going to stop it is if there's significant bans retrospectively in suspensions or I think, personally, fines would be a better way of doing it. And if you get caught, it has to be significant. And if you get continuously caught, it escalates and escalates.
0: Yeah, that's a fair shot. Interesting on the... We'll move on to Wolves now. Interesting on the Nuno thing. He got sent off. Oh, I didn't know that. Jurgen Klopp didn't get sent off when he celebrated against Everton.
1: Yeah, maybe the referees have had some sort of directive on it. Or the referee was perhaps more aware of it. Compared to the other referee. Because of the beard. Yeah. Maybe the other referee just didn't see it. Like that Sol Bamba. Jürgen did you run on the pitch just No. No, no. No? no but... well, he kind of looked like you. It was that guy that yeah, looks yeah. like me on the
2: bench.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Imagine having Jürgen clock doubles just to get <laughs> on. Uh, running on the pitch.
0: Fine ban. Yeah. Number, Added number. time
1: multi-Jürgen. <laughs>
0: Jürgen number three, go 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 yeah. go. Um, but yeah, Nuno celebrating after Wolves score like a ninety-third minute winner against Leicester. Absolutely brilliant game. Back and forth the whole way. Diego Jota or Diogo Jota, I think it is pronounced, scoring a hat trick. Fantastic game of football. Wolves just continue to impress. They're,
1: they're they're such good value, and I talked about it before that they the way they approach games against the top six and just the way they approach games in general, they have no fear. I've never seen a promoted team with zero fear of their opponents. And they've just skipped recently promoted bracket and straight into, well, they probably say they're mid-table now, but they're on the upper echelon of that. And it's just bizarre. I've never seen
2: a yeah team that can do it like that. Impressive from Diego Jotter as well, Lincoln. He's the second Portuguese player to score a hat trick in the Premier League, after one Mr. Cristiano, and um, they both did it at the same age as well. But they're both twenty-two. That's the impressive thing about Yota, uh, I think, is he's so young. Like, I, I don't know why. I, just, I, I assumed a lot of these teams that get promoted with with uh, Spanish or Portuguese, even sorry, Portuguese strikers that those Portuguese strikers, strikers tend to be towards the end of their career when they're coming out of the Championship. But he's got a fantastic career ahead of him, I think, and well-deserved and fantastic finishing in, in that game against Leicester
1: it's the same because I, I was actually saying this over the weekend I thought Neves because I, I didn't know a huge amount about Neves before he joined balls and I have to say I, I'd never been told his age and I thought he was a bit of a journeyman. yeah I'm sort of 29 odds He, facially he doesn't look that young yeah and the fact that well I was baffled when I found out he was 21 he's got his whole career ahead of me he's Uh, uh, yeah amazing for his age and yeah Wolves have got some young (laughs) talent there haven't they
0: playing some very nice football indeed I'm not sure if you saw the winning goal for Jota very good finish Mm. Johnny Evans defending for it not what you'd expect from a man who was like quite highly regarded a couple of seasons ago before he left West Brom for Leicester just sort of stuck a leg out as a ball traveled towards him and then didn't really do anything else with it
2: but, uh, yeah, a
1: bad moment for Johnny Evans. I still think he's a solid, dependable centre-back. Um, and yeah, I mean, he could probably drag out clips of any player, really,
0: on, on their off day. But yeah, he didn't cover himself in glory there. Do, do Leicester have to be careful? Because I was reading a stat the other day, Opta, which is, is beautiful. They've lost five of their last eight Premier League games after not having lost in the six before that. Has... Has Puel got to be careful as well? Or, or Leicester just going through a bad slump? Tom, you, you're probably used to Bournemouth going through a bad slump this season. <laughs> Thank
2: you. Sorry.
0: Sorry that that was the link into it.
2: No, they, 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 I mean, they're not going to go down. I think there's a gap between 14th and 13th. of um, So 14th has got 22 points, and then 13th they've got 26. And everyone above them is, is on 30 points plus. Um, So Leicester in ninth, 31 points already. They're, they're not going down this season. There is a lot of angst against Puel as a manager. I think um, he's not particularly inspiring, and I'm not convinced he's particularly well loved by the Leicester players, who also have a bit of a reputation for getting rid of their managers. So, I think he he may have a risk of losing his job, but it won't be for Leicester going down. It'll be the way they're playing football. It's so. It again. It's 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 happened. It happens so frequently. There is a huge. Bunch of teams from eighth down to twelfth. There's a three-point difference, and then all the way down to yeah thirteenth. There's there's only a few points in it really this season, and then there's a group of them at the bottom who are going to be fighting for relegation. Um,
1: it is well, it is nice that there's a mid-table this year. Yeah. Last year, I mean, genuinely, it was the top six, Leicester, and then just everyone was going to get relegated. <laughs> yeah. Everyone was well doing the best they could, but all tripping over each other. Um, but no, there was, I think there was a chance of you getting sacks in the morning for Piel, which is mad because if they had I mean ifs and buts, but if they had won, they would have gone seventh. Mm. The best of the rest, you know, outside of the top six, like that's as good as Leicester can expect to achieve. I mean, that is the maximum position theoretically that Leicester would be able to achieve this season, seventh. And and they're still not happy with that. I don't know how effective affected these fans are by the title. Yeah, I think
2: that's that that's the issue, isn't it? Maybe the worst thing that's happened to Leicester for, for everybody else apart from that one season is that they won the league. I mean they're, they're not <laughs> going to qualify for the Champions League. That there's a significant gap. They lost their top players, whether it's Kante, Drinkwater, and Mares, and Vardy's still there, fair enough, but they lost top players after that season of winning the Premier League. What, 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 you're right I mean they're not ever going to finish in the Champions League so what more can they do yeah very true well
0: after the break we'll be talking about two teams who are probably harbouring Europa League aspirations in Bournemouth and West Ham they went head to head at the weekend we'll be uh, rounding off the coach for the team of the Millennium and the January transfer quiz and some talking points as well catch you in a second that's
2: it he's got the chance. If you're an MMA fan, be sure to check out the new Switchkick podcast. We preview upcoming events, discuss the big UFC and Bellator news, and John from Philadelphia drops in to give us a few betting tips. To listen, search for Switchkick MMA on SoundCloud or Switchkick in the Apple Store.
0: Right, welcome back, and we're going to go full steam ahead into the Bournemouth-West Ham game, which happened at the weekend. We'll Thank you for listening to the Game Time
1: Podcast. We'll see you
0: on Thursday. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> uh, we'll start with you, Alan. Uh, how do you like Callum Wilson putting the ball in your goal? Uh, what
1: Sexual puns aside, Danny, <laughs>
0: um,
1: he's obviously a very capable player and would be an asset to anything. Oh. Uh, it sums well, sums up our season, really. We we win against Arsenal and then lose to... It's a good Bournemouth side, but I still think West Ham playing at their best should be able to see see them off. Um, and we've just been such up and down form this season. We talk about losing to Burnley 2-0 three, two weeks ago, then winning at Arsenal, then losing to Bournemouth. It's a real up and down season for us. I mean, Tom, how, how do you think we played? I mean, starting Carroll up front, after we've spent hundreds of million on attacking talent and we're still playing that
2: donkey. <laughs> yeah, I was very surprised with how you played. I thought coming off the Arsenal result, I thought you'd be in a lot more confident spirit. I am I know Arnatovich was left out because of the stuff that's going on with China, but what? what where, do you not have any other alternatives to Carroll?
1: Uh, Chicharito... And uh, Perez, and I'm not sure. I, I believe Chitrito was again linked away, and but he doesn't seem to be trusted that well by Pellegrini. Um, same goes for Perez, actually, who again I think has had, not offers, but people are interested in in him. I consecutive managers see something in Carroll that I'm not sure if the wider footballing community do. It's just I mean, really the cool. fact that he has been linked, yes, yeah, Spurs in. Re- Days to a move for Tottenham, yeah. uh, supposedly offering two million because he's only got half a season left on his contract with us. Um, but no one's denying it. No one from Tottenham is saying, No, we absolutely do not want this. God. He's made of glass. I don't get it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, apparently we have no other options, Tom. He, he is the pinnacle of West Ham's attacking talent.
0: Where West Ham seem to be struggling for attacking talent, Bournemouth have plenty of it. Uh, not even just Josh King, Callum Wilson, David Brooks again playing really, really well in that one. Um, you must be pretty happy, Tom.
2: I'm, I would say relieved. We 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 haven't won in a long time, and um, it was just good to get the result. If I'm honest with you, I think we were the thing. The thing I was what I was worried about with Carroll is that when we played Newcastle and they played Rondon up front. The big physical presence aspect, that we couldn't deal with that. So I, I thought that that was the way West Ham would play. But I don't think you went mm-hmm. through them enough in that sense to really reap any of the rewards. Um, and then the wonder goal from Wilson, the volley was, well, amazing. And then I think we got quite lucky at the end just to kill the game just before right at the end, some good skill by Brooks just to square it across the box for a tap in for King. But yeah, I think... We've we've signed a couple of players. Well, we've signed three players now in January as well, which has been quite impressive so far. Uh, but I think for us, it's just about let's just get to forty points, make sure we know we're not going down anymore, and then we can see how hard we can finish for the rest of the season. But it was a great result, and maybe added a few more million on Callum Wilson's price tag if anyone's still looking.
1: <laughs> what does what does that take out to eighty? Eighty <laughs> or million.
2: Yeah, definitely well, to you. Definitely I, to you. Yeah.
0: I was a. Uh, I looked at some Opta stats as well. And I thought, ah, oh, now I know why West Ham want to sign Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson scored six goals in six games against West Ham. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. by that theory, that West Ham should just sign every player in the history of football well, to make sure they never score again. I'm, I'm not sure Callum Wilson really wants to move though.
1: Not when you can be so close to Harry
2: Redknapp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having it with that article. It was a, pa- it was a parody article. I don't understand. But yeah.
1: Yeah, but it, tell you what it does do it does and I, and I mentioned it before but that mid-table battle is fascinating yeah. and got a group of teams there
2: that are absolutely locked um, I, I agree with Alan in the sense that I don't think he'll move away I don't, I don't think he'll move in January but I think um, I would be very surprised if an if offer did come in from a big six team I would be surprised if he stayed because I, I just I think he wants to play in Europe and, and he wants to play for England as much as possible and although he's earned it this season, I think if he gets into a bigger club, he probably like Welbeck. You don't have he doesn't have to have be scoring like 10, 10 goals a season to get into that England squad if he's playing for a bigger team because the reputation is there with him. And and maybe maybe you know what, if if West Ham do kick on, Alan, like you say, and they do get into seventh this season, maybe in, maybe mm. in the summer he he would be interested in going to. You, but I just don't think at the moment it would make sense for him. Um, yeah, I mean the only reason I say West Ham and I know
1: there's a lot of speculation, but arguably we're the only team that could both want and use him and afford him. Because there's plenty of teams in the top six that could afford him, but not necessarily need him. I mean, let's rule out City, for example. If Chelsea get in Higuain, then they don't really need him. Um, Manuel spent a lot of money on attacking talent and arguably they probably don't. Tottenham, they're so reliant on just playing Kane um, that being... A backup striker of that club wouldn't be very fruitful at all. Sure. Um, so probably, I yeah, I don't know. It wouldn't be good for Callum Wilson's career. I don't think to necessarily sit on the bench for, unless he has a blistering into the season, and you know, which he's you know more than likely to do. But yeah, I'm not sure it's the best yeah. best
2: game move. But there is definitely a, a, a club thing sometimes with, with these mid-table teams where it's better to be a big fish in a small pond than it is to be a small fish in a big pond. So if, yeah. if he's, he, he is the face of Bournemouth at the moment. And the other thing I, we don't talk about is he's had two very, very, well, almost career-ending injuries. And I think you'd be very brave to spend £80 million pounds on someone who's, there is a risk that he could just drop down at any point. And, and yet people
1: do it, take the risk <laughs> on Carol.
2: Yes, yeah, it's true. Every... Yeah. <laughs>
1: West Ham just following bad habits. Clearly, yeah. When his contract's up, he plays brilliantly. <laughs> permanently crippled. Yeah. Um, I, before we move on, we, we're gonna can I talk about the Tottenham game briefly? You can indeed. Yeah. We yeah. have free reign on that. So I made two statements about players from opposition sides of the Fulham and Tottenham get um, teams. Yeah. Sorry. Going into this game, one was that Ryan Babel was a batshit move for Fulham. <laughs> Um, and and didn't make any sense. But, I mean, I watched the Fulham-Tottenham game and for the first half at least, he was brilliant. And Fulham should have been maybe two, three and a half. I don't know if Ryan will agree with me on that, but Tottenham weren't in the game for a bit and a large part of that was Ryan Babble, who had the bit between his teeth. And I think Harry Winks was marking him and he just looked lost, <laughs> lost next to him. And the second, my second point from this game was that Lorente must be shitting himself, and he's he, well, he's going to struggle being the main man, I, which I was wrong with, with again because I've never seen such a calm, composed own goal. <laughs> so
0: that's the two cents. I was wrong, wrong on two counts. Oh, it was a it was a fantastic game, and Harry saves them again, just not the normal one. Yeah, yeah, and good a really Winksy contributing. Yes, and a really good ball in from Nkudu. I think that wasn't said enough in media. It was a lovely ball in.
1: Lovely.
0: Right, let's move it on over to the January transfer quiz. Alan's currently top of the leaderboard. Here's a chance for Tom to stop him in his tracks. So the rules are simple. I will give you a clue. Shout your name out or if you're Alan, shout the word stop occasionally. <laughs> and try and tell me which January transfer I am talking about. Are we both ready? Thanks. Clue one. I was born on the 10th of March 1988 in Switzerland. Stop. <laughs> oh Oh, it's, it's Lichsteiner. It's not Lichsteiner. Tom, it's... shall I carry on or would you like to hazard a guess?
2: No, I don't know. 88, how old is
0: he? 30? Yeah. 31. I began my professional career at FC Tom, Basel.
2: I yes. know who it is. It's Ivan Rakitic. He's absolutely smashed
0: it. After a clue and a half, it's Ivan Rakitic.
2: I only know that because I remember at the World Cup, they said he was born in Switzerland.
0: He is absolutely
1: bloody nailed that. Oh, I, you could have given me
0: 50, 50 clues and I wouldn't what have were the, What there. were the other clues, Danny? Uh, so the rest of that clue was, I began my professional career at Basel, but moved to the Bundesliga. He moved to Schalke. I've represented Switzerland at youth level, but not at senior level. Oh, God. I have a World Cup runners-up medal. Okay, closer. I've scored in a Champions League final. Yeah. yeah. I've won La Liga three times in my career. Okay. And I was named Croatia's Player of the Year in 2015. Okay, I still yeah. might <laughs> 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 have said Modric. Tom, I think I'd, if I could give you a bonus point, I would. Because <laughs> I was there's a clue and a half. And I made the game, so I could do that, but I'm not going to. Absolutely Thank not. you. So it is one point to Tom. That is, That's richly deserved. Yeah, that, well is, that is well fair done.
1: play. So And you also, uh, now we have to... Well, nice and quick, succinct. Well
0: done, Tom. We can continue straight on with that one. Uh, he moved from Schalke to Sevilla in 2011. £1.3 million. There
1: you go. Oh,
0: which I pre, Pre-Brexit, pre that's like 5 million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you give them a bonus point. <laughs> oh, we'll
1: have to get a calculator out from 2011.
2: <laughs> the... Plus inflation,
0: all that type of stuff. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, let's not get into that because it's time now for the team of the millennium. Next week, we will have everybody on the podcast to argue and fight. I can only assume it's going to be the end of this podcast because there's already been enough argument in the Facebook group chat about it. This week, we're picking
2: a coach. Tom, who are you going to go with? Uh, I I don't know which... I'm not 100% sure which one I'm going to pick, but I've got two, and I imagine most, most of you have the same two. So my pick is between Ferguson and Guardiola, and I think I'm going to go for Guardiola. And I, I think, of all time, Ferguson is the best manager, but I think purely in the 21st century, which is what I think this is supposed to be.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the lines
2: are so (laughs) so blurred. (laughs) But um, I think Guardiola has done more in the game, has won more in different countries. Granted, they've been with the best teams, but he's still done it. Barcelona, um, Bayern Munich and now Manchester City. Uh, But I think his impact and, and change on the game itself has probably been more so than anyone in the last 18 years.
1: Well, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm going to go for Alex Ferguson and uh, Sir Alf Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> <Well. laughs>
2: uh, I'm,
1: I'm going to go Jose Mourinho, actually, for my second, which is falling on deaf ears, apparently. I, I, I had him After. third,
2: but yeah, I think he's um, he's ruined his reputation a bit over the last few years.
1: Yeah, I mean, yes, yes he has, but I mean, he's had a mass, well, from 2004, you could say he's had a very significant impact on world football, Um, and he's done it with, well, several teams, several leagues, set records along the ways, um, had firsts for clubs, I mean, changed the landscape for some clubs. Um, I Whatever you say about his football, I mean, technically there is no right way to play football. Let's get that right, because although everyone loves the way Guardiola plays, that doesn't denigrate technically the way Mourinho teams do. And until recently, could probably say Mourinho teams were at least a bit
0: entertaining. Yeah, shat on that in the last <laughs> few years. You could also say Mourinho has done it in multiple leagues. Yes, what? yes, Guardiola made an era with that Barcelona team. And I'm and I'm not gonna at all say that he didn't. And yes, he did very well in the Bundesliga. But when you go to manage Bayern Munich who are the best team in the Bundesliga, you'd assume that you would win the Bundesliga. That many times three titles in the Bundesliga. Fair enough. And he's done well with City after he spent a lot of money. And yes Mourinho hasn't sorry. Yes Mourinho spent a lot of money at Manchester United and it didn't quite work out for him but he still won trophies there. And let's not forget, he won the Champions League with Porto and Inter Milan and won league titles in Serie A, Portugal and Spain. Yes, his most recent time has has probably put him down the pecking order, but he has been a serial winner in the past.
2: But you're, you're yeah. still going for Pep Guardiola?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, no, Pep's... I mean, let's not forget Ferguson either, though. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. It's easy to forget because I keep thinking this is relatively recent, but you know, from them winning the Champions League in 2000, there was a dominance in the Premier League, which is, all, well, it's been said, most competitive league in the world and best league in the world, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever you say about the quality of it, it is the most competitive and the most gruelling season as well, isn't it, in the Premier League? It's brutal. Um, and the fact that Alex Ferguson was able to do it, arguably with maybe three generations of teams from 2000 um, and successfully sort of manage, manage teams. I mean, the, the toughest thing about this is you see with Guardiola, you see with Mourinho, eventually the long, the, the longer you're at a club, like messages just don't get across. And and a lot of managers struggle with that, that you say something good enough times and it stops the, the impact of the words is, is lessened. But, Alex Ferguson just managed to do it time and time again as you know, as a man motivator, he's probably better than both of them combined Mourinho and Guardiola technically are brilliant, but I'd argue what Alex Ferguson gave him like value added in terms of psyching a team up is immeasurable and you saw that when he left Man U I mean, they've been fucked for five years in his absence we, we thought it was going to be like 10 points. And in the first season, it was 20, wasn't it? Or something like that. Or, or Sam Allardyce. Yeah, always a choice.
0: Either. Yeah. I, I, especially with Ferguson as well. And again, bias from coming from a United fan. But some of these United teams that he created, yeah, long live the 1999 treble winning team, which was outstanding. Towards the end, he was, he was propping up a midfield with Fabio and Raphael and still winning league titles. So it's so a fair play to him. Um, one name I'm going to throw in the hat purely for funny reasons. Neil Warnock uh, should be in there purely for his Wikipedia page. He's the only manager I've ever seen who his disputes <laughs> are sub-categorised into players, managers, referees, clubs, chairmen and directors. Which is brilliant. Absolutely uh,
1: outstanding. Uh, Mark Hughes might have something similar. Oh, uh, Mark probably yeah. Um, but... I- Well, not a slightly outside one, but it probably won't be mentioned in the same frame, but Carlo Ancelotti, in terms of success, I mean, won the Champions League with Real Madrid and AC Milan, won titles in England, Italy, France. That's an impressive haul. Carlo Ancelotti has had a... Arguably, in terms of trophies, one of the
0: most successful managers. Yeah. It's a good shout. It's also a good shout. Right, we're going to have to make a decision because we are... uh... We're heavily uh, debating. Sir Ralph
2: Ramsey.
0: <laughs> Sir Ralph Ramsey is there. Uh, Ryan said that he would pick Guardiola as his manager.
2: Tim's, Tim Tim uh, said he'd choose Ferguson.
0: Tim's gone Ferguson. So we've got one vote for Guardiola, one vote for Ferguson, one vote for Mourinho, and then like an outside. Who voted for Mourinho? I mean, you said Mourinho, and then I. I said
1: Alex Ferguson or
0: Mourinho. I'm I just said. Oh, okay, sorry.
2: Who are you going to go for, Alan?
0: Fergie. Danny? I I kind of want to go Guardiola, but I don't want to... I'm going to go Fergie. Fuck it, why not? There you go, then. So Sir Alex Ferguson is the man who gets in. That's outrageous. Guardiola changed the nation. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be interesting to see next week. I feel like none of us are really that sure on it. They both ha- they all have like yeah. different qualities. And trouble is... <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very difficult to, uh, to pin down. But there it is. Sir Alex Ferguson is the manager of this ragtag bunch. Next week, there'll be arguments galore, I'm sure. Ryan's already got... V- a bullet pointed list of uh, things that he wants to fight over. He doesn't want Ronaldinho in because he's a hateful human being. <laughs> <laughs> Ronaldinho or Ryan? Oh. <laughs> uh, right, as always, we finish our pods with some talking points from this week's football. Tom, do you want to kick us off?
2: Um, so I would like to start with the transfer of the century. Go on. Kevin Prince Berton.
1: <laughs> this transfer has everything i don't
2: understand i don't understand like don't, what angle are they going for <laughs> it's it truly is amazing it was i mean i know danny you said you'd seen it as well but it, for me it came completely out of the blue i didn't know it was a position they were scouting for he's 31 <laughs> there's an option to buy in the summer and it's like 1.8 million pounds so. Like it's like no money um, but yeah, it got me. It got me thinking about a list of the most strange signings uh, that a club has made, and I've got five. I just wanted to run them through with you quickly. So the first one is: Do you remember Richard Wright signing for Man City? Oh yeah. So I don't know if anyone re- remembered why he did this. So he he was actually at Preston, but left because he felt homesick. So he moved thirty miles down the road to Man City. <laughs> amazing brilliant he was back up to <laughs> Joe Hart and Costel Pantillimon as well which is fantastic um, Eric Jemba Jemba signing for St Mirren obviously he, um, he he famously signed for United after the 2002 World Cup but he played three games in Scotland before terminating his contract oh my gosh. Um, Stephen Caulker signed for Liverpool and this was a Klopp signing as well he yeah. made three oh. appearances for Liverpool because they needed cover for Lovren who was injured but he only made he only made three appearances, sorry, and two of them were as a striker. <laughs> um, one of my personal favourites was: Do you remember Tyrone Mears? Yes, oh, he used to play yes. for Derby. He signed for Marseille on loan in 2008. Got to the quarter quarterfinals of the Europa League last yeah. thirty two last thirty two of the Coupe de France, just out of interest. But um, uh, and the final one for me was: Do you remember Kim Calström signed for Arsenal? Oh yeah. my God! He yes. signed. He oh. signed for Arsenal, and he had a broken neck. And Arsenal knew that he had a broken neck, and he still signed for them. Yeah, I
1: thought it was his back. Yeah. I
2: mean, he was—he was fucking. He was, uh, yeah, he yeah. played three games. Just the, the weirdest transfers. But it, I, I, when I saw the Kevin Prince Boateng news come through, it was absolutely fantastic. That
1: wow. is, it was when he came into the medical in a full body cast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, that Kevin Prince Boateng one's amazing. Because there's been, like, rumours in the past, like, month or so that Barca want Neymar back. So it's almost... And, and clearly, like, maybe look at their finances. They're like, oh, we can't afford Neymar. <laughs> who's sort of... Budget Neymar. Who's budget Neymar? <laughs> uh, I'll get Boateng. Yeah. It's like they went on Football Manager and searched for similar attributes. <laughs> just go, oh, who's cheap. Go for that. It's that rare. came out of nowhere,
0: though. Yeah. Boateng. Absolutely. He's been doing okay in Sassuolo, apparently. But yeah, he's not. He's been a uh, quite. He's been playing as a striker for them, though. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see where he fits in uh, in the Barcelona team. Uh, before we move on to uh, another one, just whilst I was looking up Tyrone Mears, he's currently studying to become a counter
2: terrorist. <laughs> Fair play.
0: I this well, man leaves an interesting note. He's ca- studying counter terrorism at the Criminal Justice and Counter-Terrorism Institute at Southern New Hampshire He also University. still
2: plays for West Brom. What? Yeah. They extended his contract. in, the, in He does? It, yeah, he's alive. He's, he still exists.
0: How so is he studying in America and playing for West Brom? It doesn't matter. We'll move on from that. Tyrone Mayer's clearly a man of many talents. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, uh, I don't know if you saw it, the Charlton fans celebrating after they scored a penalty. They ran onto the pitch to celebrate with the fans. A guy <laughs> slipped over and twatted one of the players straight in the bollocks. <laughs> Just took him nice. straight out, which I thought was absolutely wonderful. Alan, you got anything for us? David De Gea framed his
1: boots that he wore during the Tottenham sludge.
2: Just put them in a glass
1: cabinet. Absolutely um, solid. What
0: a lad. Yeah, not too much else, really. Uh, and we'll end it on possibly one of the best videos of the week. Huddersfield Town unveiling their new manager, Jan Stewart. But uh, I don't know if you saw the unveil video. They got the guy that they picked out of the crowd, Sky Sports thinking that a random man in the crowd was the oh, new manager. Yeah. They got him to be in the video. His name's Martin and he's from Wakefield. <laughs> and that is how we're ending it this week. Uh, Cheers, Tom, as always, thank you very much. Alan, thank you. Merci beaucoup. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back on Friday with a full Premier League preview for this week. But until then, see you later.